0: Welcome. We gather here in God's presence to come and to worship. And so it's, uh, it's good to be here together. I want to greet all those who are online joining us and also uh, so that we can be together in person. Uh, just want to note that I, I, all the spots that we have to sign up for are, are signed up today. And so it's going to be maybe more full than it has been last few weeks. And so part of that, we're going to dismiss the kids for preschool and children's worship a little early. I'll do the announcements and then they'll be sent uh, to the classes uh, in just a moment. So just to share a couple of things, a couple announcements. Um, one is that during this time, we have a shortened service. We're not doing our traditional giving, passing of the plate. So if you'd like to give to the uh, work of the church and respond to God's generosity, you can, there's a silver offering plate in the back. You can uh, drop it off there, or you can give online to the church website. Uh, also, I just want to say thanks for all the people who helped with their work day yesterday on the church patio. So thank you for making time to do that. And also just a reminder that today is a Pentecost Sunday. It's a chance for us to celebrate with all the churches throughout the world, remembering the gift of the Holy Spirit and the formation of the church. And so it's a chance for us to remember that identity as those who have been remade by the Spirit of God through God's grace. Let's take a moment now to uh, dismiss all the kids who are going to go to the preschool class or to children's worship. They can make their way to the back. And Miss Melinda and Miss Betsy are there to meet them. They can go ahead and go on down to their class. And those classes will go through the, through the service. Well, as I said, God has called us to come and to, to worship, to respond to God's goodness. So let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come to God in worship.
1: Morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 104. Will you please stand with me? May the glory. Of-
0: how manifold. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. They all look to you to give their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. May the This morning, we have the privilege of participating in the Sacrament of Baptism, and so I'm going to invite this family to come forward to have their daughter, Annika, uh, be baptized. This is Josh and Carolyn Kuntz and. Big Brother Gideon, and uh, we're thankful to have Annika be brought to be baptized today. And whenever we do participate in God's sacraments, we remind ourselves of how this is a gift from God. And obviously this is a special day for uh, the Kuntz family and for Annika. But it's also a day for all of us to reflect on who God is. For the baptism waters, they proclaim the good news of God and his kingdom. That God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves that he can wash us anew, that he can give us a new life, that in Christ we can die and rise. These are all the works of God. And so the the thing for all of us to see and to reflect on today is this proclamation of who God is and how God is at work in this world. It's also a special day for Annika. She receives this sign on her skin and becomes part of the covenant family. We ask that by God's spirit and through God's church and through the family, that she would not only have that sign on her skin, but she'd come to express faith in Christ, that that baptism would be completed as it's sealed to our heart by God's spirit. So this is our hope and prayer in God's spirit. So let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Coons family. We thank you for how you've blessed them. We thank you for Annika. Lord, we also though thank you for the good news of the baptism waters that we're not alone to face that which is broken within us or around us. We're not left to our resources to try to make things fit, left with our own guilt and shame. But in your grace, that you've interceded and brought new life to our hearts and formed a new people in Christ. And so we give you thanks that we can remember this good gift. We can gather in your name, and we can welcome Annika to be part of this covenant family. We give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Josh and Carolyn, let me ask you these questions as you bring your daughter to be baptized. Do you acknowledge Annika's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? And do you claim God's covenant promises on her behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do for your own? And do you now unreservedly dedicate your daughter to God and promise in humble reliance upon God's grace that you'll endeavor to set before her a godly example that you'll pray with and for her that you'll teach her the faith and that you'll strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What is your daughter's full Christian name? This is Annika Maeve Kuntz. Annika, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray for Annika. Lord, we give you thanks for Annika and how she is a very clear sign of your goodness, of your generous love. We thank you for making her in your image, and we thank you for how she is a blessing to her family and to this church. We thank you for the sign that's been put upon her skin, and we pray that by your spirit, you'd use her parents and this church and her family to help her to know who you are, God, that she would find delight in your grace, that she would be a woman who not only uses her gifts to benefit herself, but to use her gifts to serve and love her neighbor. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you all to stand, that we can offer a a congregational blessing to Annika. You'll see it in your order of worship, a response there. Annika, may the Lord preserve your going out and your coming in. From this time forth and forevermore, Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this the simple reminder that you are the one who has entered into our life and called us to come and worship, interrupted our normal schedules, our normal days, to gather us as your people. We thank you for the gift of baptism, this picture, this wonderful sign that tells us in simple ways that you're not only our creator, the one who gives water and life, but you are our recreator, the one who brings new life into hearts that are dead and to hearts that have been broken by shame and by guilt, wounded by this world. And so we come, we come to you today with open hands, confessing that we are people in desperate need of your spirit to be at work in us, to renew us, to help us to walk in new ways, to leave behind the old ways of, of fighting for what we want, or for jealousy or pride of looking out for ourselves or those that we think belong to us. Lord, help us to walk in new ways of patience and gentleness, of peace and of love, of self-control, of the joy of our salvation, of, of finding rest even in the midst of difficult circumstances because we belong to you, Christ, now and forever. Lord, wherever we are this day, meet us, please, by your grace. Meet us Lift our heads that we can see the cross and the hope that is there. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this time, uh, any children that uh, want to go to children's worship, I haven't been dismissed yet, are welcome to go to the, the, the children who are dismissed at the beginning of the service. If any other ones want to go to preschool class or children's worship, they can make their way to the basement at this time. We're going to continue the worship by confessing our sins. This is a reminder that when we gather before God, God is not like us, that we're different, that God is holy. And so it's good and right to come into his presence and ask for his grace to us. We'll do this corporately and through song, and then we'll have a time of silent personal confession. I invite you to join with me. Almighty God, who sent the promised power of the Holy Spirit to fill disciples with willing faith, We confess that we resist the work of your spirit among us. That we are slow to serve you and reluctant to spread the good news of your love. God, have mercy on us. Forgive our divisions and by your spirit draw together. Inflame us with a desire to do your will and be your faithful people. In the name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm.
1: See in your goodness, Lord. And in your grace forgive my sin. Wash me from evil through and through. Cleanse me
0: We confess to you our, our deep need for your grace. We confess that so often while we follow one of your commandments there's others that we see that are quick to be broken. Or outwardly we present ourselves the right way but inwardly things are turning away from you. So Lord we come and we need your grace and we give you thanks that we can gather in Christ's name with the promise that your grace is always greater than our sin. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like you to stand and, and hear these words of assurance that we can join together in saying them from Romans 5. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, sorry, you can stand back up. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't flip the page quick enough. We're going to offer a prayer together of illumination, asking God to speak to us by his word. God of mercy, you have promised never to break your holy covenant with us. In the midst of the multitude of words in our daily lives, speak your eternal word to us, that we may respond with faithfulness, hope, and love. Amen. Now you can be seated.
2: Good morning, our uh, Old Testament lesson today is from Ezekiel chapter 37 verses one through 14. This is the Valley of Dry Bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, and as he commanded me, I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. And our New Testament lesson today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other, other tongues in Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? This is the word of the Lord.
0: We're going to take time today to reflect on Pentecost, and we're going to look at a passage from Psalm 104, which is the traditional psalm of Pentecost Sunday, and it is a psalm that celebrates God as the creator, but also it sings of God spending, sending his spirit to recreate, to bring his spirit to the face of the earth. And This psalm is in some ways a retelling of Genesis 1 and the creation of all things, we read about God stretching out the heavens like a tent, establishing the foundation of the Earth, covering it with the deep, sending the waters to their appointed places, the moon marking the seasons and the night and day, establishing the rhythm for humans in creation. We're going to look at the third section of this psalm that speak about the goodness and the abundance of God and His creation. So let's look at our passage. This is printed on your order of worship. You can follow there or just listen as I read. This is Psalm 104, verse 24 through 34. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable. Living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground." May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God, who I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. This is God's word given for our good. As we reflect on this passage, I want us to look at three three things that we're invited to embrace. Invited to embrace joy, dependence, and the hope of new creation. Joy, dependence, and the hope of new creation. And so let's start with this invitation to embrace joy. For in the psalm, there is God's rejoicing over his creation and God's creation rejoicing over God, the one who has created it. The image that we're invited to see is that of a great feast, and a table prayer offered before the meal. Maybe you can picture in your mind a large table, whether at some kind of special event or family gathering. As I was thinking of this, I thought of my grandparents' table in, in Indiana. We'd often gather at special meals, and it, Especially as a child, it seemed so long and so full of abundance of things to eat. If we can picture such an image, this is what the psalm invites us to see and to imagine and to ask, who's the host and who's gathered at this table? Who's bowing their head in prayer? You see, God the creator is the host, and the whole world is the table. And those gathered and eating are all of creation, all of the creatures made by God. Lord, open your hand. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you take away their breath or spirit, they die and return to the dust. But when you send forth your spirit, they are created and you you renew the face of the ground, the dust. You see, when God provides creatures thrive, they are filled with good things. If God turns away, the creatures are dismayed. Creation rejoices in God as those gathered at a table of abundance welcomed to enjoy what's before them. And the psalm invites us to say, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. I, as one of God's creatures, as those, one who has breath in my body, I will sing praise to God, the one who has made me and provided for me. Creation rejoices in God, but also God himself rejoices in what has been made. There's a passage in the book of Job where God is asking Job a series of questions, and one of those is, Job, where were you when I created the world? And a follow-up question to this is, the text adds, Job, where were you when the angels shouted with joy? Where were you when the angels, the invisible realm of creation, erupted with shouts of joy at seeing the stars and the clouds, seeing the sea and the sun, seeing humans made in God's image? This idea that they were thrilled, that they turned to God and gave God glory. This is being echoed in our psalm, this idea that the psalmist crying out, May God himself, may the Lord rejoice. Rejoice in his works. May God rejoice in his creation. You and me. Here is the one who has gathered a great feast, who has filled the table and has surrounded it with those who are ready to enjoy it. And we're invited to picture God, to ask you, know, how do we imagine God in our daily life? Here we're invited to see God with the joy of a, an artist over his or her creation, the joy of one who creates, a musician, a cook, someone who brings forth something and enjoys what has been made. Or to see God here as a parent, a parent who finds delight in his or her children, who delights in generously nourishing and caring for them. The psalm invites us to such joy, the joy of creation for its maker, and the joy of the maker over the creation. And not only are we invited to embrace this joy that comes from God, but it invites us to embrace dependence. Think again about this great table and prayer of joy. The psalm invites us to grasp the, the union or the connection that we share with those around the table. creation's abundance, gathered with our neighbors, gathered with other members of creation, all rejoicing in the provision of our God. See, there's a collective sense of dependence. As many creatures exist, the Lord has made them all. At the table, all belong, everyone who's gathered, everyone who's there belongs to the category of the works of the Lord. Those made by God. Can you picture this image of us gathered by God, given this identity as humans made in God's image, we're invited to embrace the identity that we are His creation. And this identity also gives value to all living things, to you and to me, to our neighbors, to all of creation. It gives us a way of talking with God about this world, To see ourselves in relationship to God and creation, to see ourselves in relationship to our neighbors. Because we are all part of the work of God. We are all dependent upon God for life. I don't know if that's how you normally think about this world. The idea that we are partners or fellow invitations at a table made by God that all of our neighbors have the value and dignity as one made by God and we're bound together in that with them. Even if we hold that idea or want to hold that dear to ourselves, we know that that's often probably not the way we see things around us. We can see life for certain neighbors in it with a different perspective. If you're like me, it's easy to see Others, or see the world through our own agendas or our own plans, the different identities that have been given to us or that we have embraced. Or maybe to see things through the lens of the idols that we are pursuing, money or youth or self-righteousness, independence, that those things dictate how we make decisions or how we see others, especially those who might threaten what we hold dear. Instead of seeing a collective unity and dependence upon God, we see things in fragments. Live in alienation or separation. We see creation as something to use or to maximize for ourselves, for consumption, to grasp what is mine. Or we forget that all of our neighbors are part of the work of the Lord and that we share a fundamental connection with all of them. Or we place our hope and self-sufficiency, or the accumulation of resources. It's in again into these fragments that God invites us to remember who we are, those made by him, dependent upon his breath for our life and his provision. You see, it's into these separations and alienations that we find our third thing I want us to reflect on, this invitation to the hope of a new creation that we feel the need for God to be at work in us. The God, the creator who brought forth life to recreate and breathe new life into our hearts and onto the face of this earth. This is the glory of the hope of Pentecost. The reminder that we are not on our own, that it's not up to human resources or strength to put things together, but that God's spirit remakes men and women, reforms that which he has made, forms together a new people. And the story of the Exodus, the people of Israel were fleeing from Pharaoh and his army, and they are going through the waters of the Red Sea. Scripture tells us that Pharaoh's warriors, the chariots, the horses, pursue them into the waters. I've been thinking about the strength and determination of those soldiers and those horses. Can the strong chariots, can the strong horses and the strong men of Pharaoh, can they make it? Can they catch up to those that they're chasing? Can they overcome the obstacles? And what we see in the story is that no, not even the greatest force of the earth at that time, not even the strongest forces could withstand the waters of God. They were washed away. So often, if you're like me, so often I rely on my own strength, my own determination to pursue what's in front of me or to overcome the obstacles that come. But God says, cursed is the one who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. For God's pleasure is not in the strength of the horse nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. The account that Will read from Acts 2 The coming of the Spirit and the start of the church can seem very distant from us, very strange. It's crucial that we get something right here. That no person, no group of people could make the church happen. None of them were able to overcome the sorrows that they felt, or the uncertainty or the weakness that they had. For God himself was the one who overcame death. And God himself is the one who sent the Spirit to remake the hearts of men and women, to form a community not based in some kind of human unity, but based in the work of Christ for them. See, we're invited to the joy and the dependence of a God who enters into our life, facing our sin and death and our separations to make something that we ourselves could not make, the hope that we belong to God and that we belong to one another in Christ. As we close, we can think again about the table, the table of creation. But in the Pentecost, we're reminded again of a a table that Christ himself sets. Jesus as the host, gathering with joy the scattered and the lost and the separated, the proud and the beat down, forming a new community remade as sons and daughters, sisters and brothers, transcending, overcoming the identities that so often separate us, that we're now united in Christ, teaching us to see each other in new ways, tearing down walls of hostility. This is a work that God is doing, that you and I are invited to respond to with joy and with dependence in the hope that God himself can make things different, not just individually, but as a people united together in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that you do not leave us, leave us on our own in our misery and sin, left with our own resources, but you intercede to bring new life and new hope. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In prayer together as a people. I'll lead our time of prayer and then have a time of quiet. You can offer your own personal prayers. And then there's going to be two sections. We'll pray for the church in general, and then we'll pray uh, for those in our congregation and around us with needs. After each each section, uh, I'll close our time with, uh, Lord, in your mercy, and you can respond, uh, hear our prayers. Let's pray. Lord, we do come this day especially mindful of your church as we celebrate Pentecost and the gift of the Spirit and the forming of a people we, we pause and we remember with wonder that you are not just saving individuals but that you are forming a people who bear your name who represent you and your body here on earth to bring forth your mission of love and service and of renewal And so, Lord, we pray for the unity and the mission of the church. We ask Spirit to teach us to love one another. Christ, you told us that the world would know that we belong to you when we love one another. And so, Lord, teach us again to see one another as brothers and sisters, to see one another as those you've called us to serve and to patiently care for, to know. And we rejoice in your scripture that tells us that by the gospel of Christ that you've torn down the walls of hostility. But Lord, how often we are those who seem to rebuild them or want to hold those walls firm. Quick to to hold on to differences and lines of division. To hold on to power or to make other people excluded. And so Lord, again, we ask that you would teach us in new ways to see Christ, to let go of our idols and and false pursuits, to learn again by your spirit to embrace our brothers and sisters, even those that the world would tell us are apart from us. Lord, we ask that you would heal the wounds of the church, the ways that Christians have wounded or hurt fellow Christians, failing to see them or to failing to recognize the wounds that exist. We pray by your spirit that you would bind up the brokenhearted and that you teach us to see and to love one another. in your mercy, hear our prayers. And Lord, we think about those who are facing needs or uncertainties or questions. Lord, we pray for Darla Colson's niece, Erica. We pray for uh, the child that she is carrying in her womb. And we we thank you for the surgery that was successful. We pray for Erica and Derek as they are together caring um, for their family. We pray for health and strength in the pregnancy. Lord, we also think of family members in our congregation who are undergoing treatments or care for illness. We think especially of Audrey Lopez's mother and Monica Johnson's mother. We pray that you would be with them, strengthening their bodies. Lord, we pray within our congregation or our neighbors, we think of those who are seeking employment or, or facing uncertainties around their work. We pray for those who are looking for housing, or looking for housing that's more secure and safe. We follow you, Christ, also in remembering the prisoners and the captives, those who are often forgotten. Lord, help us as your people remember. We lift them to you and help us to know how we can care for those facing needs or uncertainties. We think also not just of those who I've prayed for, church, but all those Community that are suffering, who feel weary, feel alone, feel discouraged. Lord, in your mercy, meet them where they are, lift their heads, and remind them again of your great love for them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We give you thanks, Lord, that you hear us when we pray, and we thank you for Christ, the one who has rescued us and made us new and called us to join in mission. We pray, Lord, as we go forth this day, that you would help us as your people to bring forth who you are with our words and actions, that we may proclaim Christ crucified and risen, and that we may love our neighbors as you have loved us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we draw to confess our faith together and receive God's blessing. Let's confess our faith together through the Heidelberg Catechism. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit, with the Father and the Son, is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me, so that through true faith he makes me share in Christ and all his benefits comforts me, and will remain with me forever. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace.